Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. We're your guides to the roller coaster that is FC D- Dallas fandom. Coming up on our fifth year covering the team, we are the longest running FC Dallas pod, uh, focused podcast. I'm Dustin Nation, and in this episode, we're taking a look at what we've learned from FC Dallas's first three games of the season. Along with me is our man in the East Stands, it's Jonathan Ross. How's it going, Jonathan? Uh, it's going pretty good, Dustin. Uh, it's been a it's been a good first few weeks of the season, so I'm uh, excited to talk about you know some of the things we've learned already. Yeah, lots to learn. Uh, just a quick recap of the season so far: three games in. Uh, first game was a one-one draw at home against Toronto, uh, followed up by a one-zero loss in New England to the reigning Supporter Shield uh, holders, and then. Uh, Nashville came to town and FC Dallas handled their business and, and won that match two to nothing. So lots, lots of soccer since our last episode, Jonathan, what have we learned this season so far? Uh, so I think I'll start with the, what is probably the biggest change, uh, going from, from, from last year to this year. And that's, uh, the, the, the change on the sideline with, uh, with Nico bringing in, you know, a new style of formation to this club. Uh, and I think one of the things that we've seen with this new four three three is, you know, the, the team is needing some time. I think to to learn it. I, I think in the first few matches, uh, the, the team seemed to be very defensive. I think part of that is uh, them, them learning the new formation, learning positioning, uh, and you know, with a new coach, always trying to make sure that you, you you put a good defensive foundation in place. But honestly, I, I think that you know this might be something that we as FC Dallas fans just need to get used to seeing this year, which is uh, I think formation wise, uh, Nico likes to play a lot tighter in the midfield. That means uh, it's kind of a more stout defense, uh, but you're not going to see a lot of internal passing through the, through the midfield. You're going to see more uh, probably limited uh, opportunities for this club, right? So the the club's got to make the best of them when they do have those, um, but a bit more of a defensive formation playing a high line. Um, and, and uh, that I'll, I'll quickly, Dustin, for those who don't know, under, uh, kind of explain what a high line is. So, uh, if you look at your, your, your back four on a defense, um, it's really about how close to the goal that those, that back four sit. So part of the advantage of playing a high line is you're actually, uh, compressing your midfield so your your central defenders are close to your your center backs and your outside backs allows you to really maintain and manage the the, the central part of the field a lot better stop stop a team from building up um, the the disadvantage uh, is if teams can play uh, over the top right it's 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 easier to get caught on a on a counter against a team that that plays a high line like FC Dallas is is this year so to me, looking at the formation, uh, just kind of as a fan, those are the, the, the two big things that I'm kind of taking away uh, as new this year. Yeah, the, the value there is that, you know, the the higher the line, the shorter the field that the opponent can play in, in play in is uh, because, you know, they can't get, be offsides. 
And that means that your your players are taking up much more percentage of the space, and and so you you can more easily cut out buildups and and things like that. And so um, be, being more compact means that you're you're in the more passing lanes, and you're cut you're able to cut off more advances from the opponent um, than if they there was more space to run around, and you were kind of letting them fill the space. You're actually filling the space. So um, yeah, definitely some changes. Not not also. Uh, we, we should also mention, you know, the the high press by the offense um, has seemed to be work really well. Um, we've seen our our forwards and and attacking midfield just kind of buzzing around as soon as the as soon as the possession is lost. Um, there's a lot more ferocity in that press, and then we saw under Lucci in the past couple of years, and so um, and and coordination in it as well is is, is has been really good. So. There's been countless times where they've gotten the ball right back <clears throat> up the field because the defender's been forced to just boot it forward um, right to where one of FC Dallas's players are. So, so is there anything, Dustin, as you look, so, so they, we've got this new formation from the, from, from the coach. Is there anything you're seeing from the defensive perspective? Uh, any any big lessons learned or, or, or key questions asked from the, from the FC Dallas defense thus far? Yeah, I mean, just just to reiterate, it's not necessarily a formation change because FC Dallas played in the four three three quite a bit last couple of years. It's more of a um, an, an assignment change, and so the system has changed. So, who you're covering under what's what scenarios and what responsibilities you have when who someone else has the ball or when the ball's in a different place, um, those responsibilities have changed quite a bit underneath Nico and. Quite a bit of it is in that midfield. What is that midfield responsibility? Um, in in the in the past couple of seasons, we've there's been kind of a, a struggle on the on the back line and the defense. And one of the biggest things that that has been a bolster to this team's defense so far has been Edwin Cerillo's playing of the number six uh, defensive midfielder. There was, there was a big question mark coming into the season. I guess can he handle this? We've seen him, um, you know either be on be on either side of just um we'll just shall we say just naughty enough to be a an annoying center defensive mid um like we've seen him be too soft and let players kind of walk into places when they're not supposed to be and we've also seen him get red cards you know minutes into games um being too rash and i think that this season he's quite he's found that that balance and has has really been kind of a a stopper of of movement right in front of the defensive line which means that their defensive line has less to do yeah in when we when we did the uh the season opener show one of the things that we called out was a, a risk area was that number six right it was the big question uh and, and i think we were both assuming that uh uh Quignon would step into that spot again this this year uh but man it's to me, you've called it. I think I think Cirillo's kind of found that balance. Uh, he's uh, he's really played well defensively. He's made the right choices moving forward. Um, and I think that at least right now, if we go back to the questions asked, right, I think the question asked around number six is is being answered by Cirillo. I mean, he's to me potentially the best player through these first three games as far as overall performance, consistency across uh, all three matches. So, uh, so that that piece. I'm quite happy with. Yeah, uh, there's there's still some defensive questions though. Uh, Farfan has proved to be 
uh, a more than capable left back. I'm very, very excited about what I'm seeing from him. We saw in the first two games play really defensively. And then in against Nashville, he got up the field quite a bit. So he added a little bit more uh, verticality in his game and was not just that stay-at-home defender. But his game has been really solid front to back. The big question mark, however, for the defensive line that's kind of been found, was found out against Dallas and New, or sorry, uh, Toronto and New England was uh, Emmett Tomasi on the right-hand side. And um, like he just had some real stinkers of, of games, the, the first two games. And it didn't look like, it looked like he, it was a combination of him just kind of not having some confidence. And then those two teams both choosing to attack um, on on that so that Dallas right-hand side. Um, and he just struggled quite a bit. And so against Nashville, we saw Nanu step in for Emma Tuomasi. And, um, you know, he's a veteran, I guess. And um, he he looked really good over there on the right-hand side. I, I would agree on both counts. Uh, both as far as what we're seeing on the left back and the right back. Uh, I'm still, as far as uh, Ima versus uh, Nanu, Nanu uh, I'm open. We'll see We'll see how those two perform. I think that uh, I liked the way Ima played last year. I think he, he did well kind of coming into his own. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not suggesting you, you make that, that change if you're if you're the coach of FC Dallas. However, uh, you don't bring in a, a player like Nanu kind of in the prime of his career to to sit on the bench. Uh, so I, I think yes, something to continue to watch. So maybe that's not a question answered on the right hand side, but I do <laughs> think I think it is a question answered on the left hand side, which was uh, many of us were sad to see Mr. Ryan Hollingshead leave. Um, and you know, unless you're like a, a huge MLS fan that watches tons of games, you probably were wondering, you know, who is this far fan person who's coming in? Does it make sense? Uh, I've, I've like you, I've been, I've been pretty impressed. I think that, uh, his playing style, his speed, his ability to, to get forward and get back, I think is actually allowing, uh, this high, this high line to work from the coach, right? Because you've got to have, you got to have recovery speed to cover that, that side. So for me, uh, if the question is, was it the right decision? Uh, sad as we were to wa- see Ryan leave. Uh, so far, the answer to that one is, uh, to me, is a resounding yes. I'm I'm, I'm quite happy with uh, with Farfan, and I think that as a as a fan, you guys should you you should you should also be kind of keeping an eye on on him and his progression. I think as the season goes on. Yeah, and that that partnership he's forming on the left with with Martinez. Uh, will be interesting to watch. We've already seen, you know, them covering for each other in in a dynamic way, which is what you want to see, especially when one of the players gets pulled out of position um, on a counterattack or something. So, so, so I have one more ten second quick lesson learned okay. uh, before we move up the field, Dustin, and that is bring it. We we came in, we were all wondering, we we're all maybe a little bit worried about uh, Captain Matt Hedges, whether or not last year's. Uh, injury was going to continue to nag him. And I would say through three games, uh, I say, I think, no, I, I think Matt Hedges has looked uh, much better for the, through the first three games than I think he did last year. So, uh, so far it seems like that question has been answered. Yeah. And I think part of it is he he's healthier this season than he was last. I think the other part of it is that he's just been, hasn't been put in the position to have to scramble and have to, um, you know, cover multiple people just because of the way the defense, the um, the defense, the midfield is playing in front of him. I mean, um, Nashville didn't get a single shot on goal, so um, 
you know, the, the save of the, of the, of the match ended up having to be a, a shot that went wide. So, um, you know, it, it's, he's probably benefiting from both, both of those things. And, you know, um, Matt Hedges is somebody you want in the squad and you want him, him back there being able to help, um, you know, organize that defense and, and which is where the whole crux of your game starts. Jonathan, I did mention the midfield just then. And I think that was another question is what, how does, how does, um, Paxton Pomacol and Brandon Cervania, how do, how do they fit into this, this system? And, and do they, are they going to, how are they going to be doing this season? Well, I, I think so far, the the guy that I was probably of those two expecting the least of, which is Brandon Cervania. Nothing nothing against Cervania. I think we were just all excited excited for Paxton to be in the center and be be healthy. Uh Cervania's been uh excellent. Uh, I, I think that uh uh he's been uh, very creative on the ball. Uh I, I think the the partnership that he's had so far with Ariola has been has been fantastic on their on the right side. Uh so far I, I would say that piece uh, it, as far as whether or not the whether or not those th- those two new pieces would help fit uh, the FC Dallas uh, midfield and be able to kind of make up for some of the outgoing players, I would say yes for sure. I, I think I think Cervania, uh has, has has done a great job. As far as Paxton, um, I, I think Paxton's maybe still a little bit more of a question mark. So as as we continue to watch the season as fans. Uh, I, I think we, we just have to understand and see kind of how he grows. Uh, he's, it seems like been slightly more tentative and I don't know if that is, uh, him just still working himself into shape or if it's, uh, maybe the way that they're playing on the, on the left-hand side. But, uh, I think both of those guys have, have played well. Uh, I would say Cervania is probably of, of the two. I think Cervania is definitely the, uh, the more outstanding and has really, I think, marked the put his mark on this game. Yeah, birthday boy uh, on against Nashville had a really, really good game. Um, did I see that he signed a new contract? I did today. Yes. Yeah. Uh, today so, there was a new contract signed for FC Dallas. He was extended. I'm assuming Cervania was on his initial uh, homegrown contract. So this would be his first extension. I'd have to go and verify that for sure, but I, yeah. I expect that's the case. Yep, is a new three-year contract with club options for the 2025 season. So good performances, um, getting recognized and rewarded for the, for Brandon Cervania. So you, you love to see these these homegrowner homegrowners oh <laughs> these homegrowns uh, you know continue in their journey. Um, so um, I, I think I think we should probably not go any further in this podcast before talking about that Alan Valesco goal. Um, Are you talking about the goal where uh, he ran up the midfield like a, like, like a, like a kid playing youth soccer and uh, across the cones and, and other players <laughs> to, to me, to me, yes. The, I mean, anybody who saw that goal, especially knowing it's his first match uh, and, you know, limited, limited minutes into that first match, uh, had to had to say, wow, or insert whatever expletive you would like. Uh, <laughs> expletive. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, that that was that was great. I think both the both the build up and the 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 finish. Although I 
think I might point that build up a little bit uh, uh, to the a lack of defense. Maybe on the Nashville side, it was kind of a yeah. I mean, the defense from from Nashville was kind of meh. Um, you know, they they did a good enough job forcing him to the side, which is kind of what you want to do. You don't want the player, you know, having the whole goal to shoot at. Um, but he went through five or six defenders on it when none of them were able to take the ball from him. But despite, despite that meh defense by Nashville, that shot and that finish was, man, it was just, it, it, it chipped a player and the keeper hit the underside of the bar and went in, um, from, from like the edge of the 18 yard box. So it, you're not going to see, uh, a much better finish from that angle in that situation. I, it just was, it was perfect. No, it was, a, it was a, a beautiful debut. Um, and I think gives a nice, uh, shining it, it, a good thing on the offensive side of the house, because I think that we have not seen a ton of that, uh, for this club in the first three matches, we haven't seen a, a ton to be excited about, but, and if, if there's anything right, uh, Anything that, that we can take away on the offensive side, I think that one thing is that, yeah, he's he's a baller. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the questions coming in was um, coming to the, the, the Nashville matches, where are the goals going to come from? There was a goal early on again in the Toronto match from Obreon, and then they went over two, two matches essentially without scoring a goal uh, until they were able to unlock Nashville towards the end with that penalty drawn by Paul Ariola. Um, and then ultimately put away by Frank O'Hara. So up until that point, like there, there was had been one goal scored in across the three matches, and so it's a little worrisome. The, the bench has been shot short in the um, in the attacking department. The only players they've been able to bring on are like Khalil El Medkar and Siki Salt. And I can't even pronounce his last name. Uh, hold on, uh, in in Sobling. And, um, you know, that in, in MLS these days, that's just not going to cut it. Um, you know, I, you want to see those guys get minutes and grow, but you don't want to have to rely on them to come in late at a match and score goals. And so, um, you know, just having Frank O'Hara and Valesco still on, on the bench, even in, against Nashville, was just such a boon to the offense for to be able to bring in players that, that are have a history of scoring goals. Um, and... You know, I'm looking forward to seeing much more of Valesco, Alan Valesco. Oh, I, I'm also very excited to to see more of him. I, I do say though, if this if we're sticking with our theme of questions answered, I, I still think that where the offense is going to come from uh, is is still an, an open question for me because I think that this club is just with the way they're playing and the formation. I think that you're not going to see a ton of opportunities or the tactics i should say um it's really going to come down to uh how well these individuals can play together and you know if we're going to see some clinical finishing from some of the players yeah if you want to let's just dive deep on that for just a just a smidge if you'll indulge me um you know the first two matches we saw what we saw what in order to to create the offense was the the wingers being the ones going they would go wide and far down the field and then the, Jesus Ferreira would kind of lag back and not necessarily be right in front of the, the goal. He would be kind of towards the top of the, the, the right around the penalty spot. And you see, you saw quite again, time and time again, the player, the especially Paul Ariel, where he would dive down deep against the goal line 
and then try to do kind of a cutback pass instead of something across the front of the line. And it's like, it's like player, the other, the other opposing. Wow. It's like the opposing players just could, could read that really well. And there, there just wasn't enough um, other, there weren't enough other Dallas players in the box to make that be something that was going to be successful. It was just too many, too many defenders in the way of that kind of tactic. So what we saw, um, you know, towards the end of the Nashville match, which was actually what ended up drawing the penalty was there were more players in the box for longer. And the, the more they're able to get more players forward and more players in the box, the more good things like that are going to happen. Um, so I, I, we, we can't rely on Valesco to do a midfield run every game and just pull, you know, some magic goal out of his rear end every, every game, you know, I think he's probably capable of it or thinks he's capable of it, but um, you know, we, we, you, as a team, you can't put yourself in that position. So there's gotta be tactically um, some, some, some things to work on as far as how to unlock those defenses that are kind of compact around the, around the middle of the back. Um, and that's just something they hadn't been able to really do in the first two games very, very well in the start of the third game. So, yeah, still a question out there. Um, as exciting as Valesco is, as exciting as, you know, Pomacall and Cervania playing well is, um, there's still tons of work to do in the in the matches coming up. I would agree, but I would say, Dustin, overall, I think we've seen progression from this club. I think each game was uh, was a little bit better, and I'm not just purely looking at results. I think the, the team has played better um, each game progressively. Uh, and so it it's... Some of the, you know, some of those things that we've talked about already are some keys to keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, and I think as we as we look forward, and I know that we've got a few matches coming up, Dustin, uh, for for the club. I think as we look forward, uh, uh, we'll begin to see more and more around how this how this club is going to adjust to the new playing style um, and adjust to a few new uh, few new players. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, like I. I was not necessarily, I think you're right. I agree with the progression. Um, and we, so we've seen it every, you know, for the past couple of years, we've been actually watching this club and covering the team, right? You see them start with a foundation and then continually build on it. Uh, and I, I don't think this year was any different. And I think that they'll continue to build and it's something figuring out um, how to continue is, 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 is what's you'll see in the next couple of matches. Um, the next one obviously is Saturday against Portland at home here in Dallas. And then that's the last match for the rest of March and they get a couple weeks off and then April kicks off with a road trip to Chicago and a home stand against Colorado. So, um, the, the second Acosta will, will be returning for that one. Yeah. some something to, to look forward to, um, both before and after that international break, I uh, I know that we'll we'll be we'll be talking again soon um, as the as the season progresses. Hopefully, be doing uh, more of these uh, kind of shorter uh, podcasts where we're just really focused on some some key things that we're learning. Uh, so it's been it's been great talking, Dustin. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to close out the show a little differently today. Um, generally, close out with our um, with our our theme music and kind of go out that way. Um, we. We kind of want to f- put some highlights and some uh, some some focus on on local soccer talent, and and that's what kind of what we do with our show. Um, but we also, you know, want to put 
having an opportunity to maybe put some of that focus on uh, soccer fans and the thing, the talents that they have. And uh, one of those fans is Kyle Lester, um, who is in a band called uh, The Culper Ring. And we'll put, go out on this with their new single, Get Close. And if you know anybody who's in a band and wants to have their music on our show, go out and get focused. Like we'll put all the links in in our uh, show notes and, and try to give give some highlights and some some uh, visibility as much as we you know we can here on our little show. Um, but yeah, um, so so get in touch with us if you uh, want to uh, get your your band on the show. Uh, again, we are Dallas Soccer Show. I'm Dustin Nation. Uh, that's Jonathan Roz. This is uh, the Culper Ring. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I'm thinking it's about that time that you and I are gonna pick a fight again. Again. It's your turn again. I can't believe you're gone. I'm wasting all your patience now. I'm on the same old drama again. Get close, we gotta get close. We're taking our doors. It's all I wanted. What I think I wanna get.